You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Good morning, everybody. It's, uh, it's good to see you. I think that this will probably be our last uh, session before Rosh Hashanah because the, uh, next Wednesday is Arab Rosh Hashanah and that's probably going to be crazy for everybody. Um, but we're going to uh, continue uh, uh, now before Rosh Hashanah and, uh, and, and after the holidays um, with uh, uh, the subject matter that we've been discussing, um, which is which we've, I've titled, uh, What's the Point of Judaism? Uh, and going through uh, mitzvah by mitzvah, focusing on uh, those commandments that um, uh, are practical today, relevant today, things that we uh, that Jews still do, um, and talking about what the rationale is uh, for, for for doing them. Um, it's a, a challenge that I that I sort of have from uh, from a teacher of mine who talks about uh, um, uh, Jewish wisdom and Jewish practice as uh, as a spiritual technology, as spiritual tools. Uh, and uh, and the premise is that uh, everything that we have in Judaism um, was developed because it was trying to get a job done. It was trying to do help uh, um, fulfill some human need, um, psychological, spiritual, emotional, physical, um, uh, some human need. And so the the challenge then is to sort of do some detective work, some reverse detective work. And, uh, and, and figure out, okay, so we have the tool. What is the job that this tool is trying to get done? Um, and does it do a good job of getting that uh, uh, job done? Is it effective? Um, so those are the questions I want to ask. You know, what's, what's the job that it's trying to get done? Is it an actual human need, right? Is it a job that needs getting done? And is this tool an effective one to get that job done? Is there maybe a better uh, tool to get the job done? Okay, so the one I want to focus on today, uh, appropriately enough, is uh, is blowing shofar, um, uh, which is uh, commanded on, on Rosh Hashanah, and it, it comes from uh, uh, the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 29. Uh, uh, it starts with, You don't have this on your pages, I'm just reading it out of the Chumash right now. Okay, so on the uh, seventh month, in the, according to the biblical schema, uh, Tishrei is the seventh month, not the first month. Uh, so on the seventh month, on the first day of the month, it should be a sacred occasion for you. Uh, you should not do any manner of, uh, of labor. It should be a, a, a day of truah for you. Uh, and truah is uh, um, a, a kind of a blast of a, of a trumpet or a blast of a horn. Um, now, the, the actual phrasing of the Torah is a little bit opaque about what that means, yom truah. Um, but the rabbis uh, uh, always interpreted it to mean a day on which we sound the shofar. And the primary thing that we do on Rosh Hashanah, and it goes on, uh, by the way, it's not called Rosh Hashanah in the Torah, um, it's only called Rosh Hashanah later on in Jewish history, it's just called the first day of the seventh month uh, uh, there in the Torah, and um, aside from some of the sacrifices that you have outlined here in the book of Numbers, the only uh, um, um, uh, ritual, uh, the only characteristic that Rosh Hashanah has in the Torah is uh, is blowing the shofar, right? So, uh, 
five hours of services, not in the Torah. Uh, all the liturgical poetry, not in, uh, not, I'm not saying don't go, I'm just saying it's not in the Torah. Yeah, hey, we just have permission. <laughs> um, uh, all the liturgical poetry, not in the Torah. Uh, eating apples and honey, not in the Torah. Uh, right? uh, almost uh, the, the, the notion that it is uh, Yom Hadin, a day of judgment, um, also not in the Torah, at least not explicitly, maybe part of what's uh, uh, um, part of what they meant by Yom Truah could be, uh, but it's not explicitly in the Torah. So a lot of the things that, the, the idea of tshuva, of repentance, not in the Torah, the idea of, uh, of, of uh, slichot, of asking for forgiveness, not in the Torah, right? So uh, virtually nothing that we commonly associate with Rosh Hashanah is found in the Torah except for shofar. At least how the rabbis understood it to mean shofar. Which means that, uh, that that there's something about shofar that makes it um, uh, the quintessential element of Rosh Hashanah. You can't have Rosh Hashanah, well, you can on Shabbat, but uh, um, uh, that uh, and the, that's what the the phrasing in uh, the book of uh, Deuteronomy is uh, Yom Zichron Truah, that it's a day of remembering the the shofar blast. And the rabbis meant uh, said that that that's referring to when it falls on Shabbat that you just think about the fact that there would have been shofar and you don't actually hear it. Um, the reason we don't have shofar on Shabbat is a, is a whole um, uh, other conversation, um, an interesting one, because um, um, there's nothing really inherent to blowing the shofar that actually is a violation of Shabbat. It has to do with um, the, the concern of uh, needing to bring it to synagogue on Shabbat uh, if there's no Eruv, etc. Anyway, um, but, uh, uh, but, but uh, the 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 shofar is um, is is the the basic ritual of uh, of, of uh, Rosh Hashanah, um, and so it uh, is worth I think then before Rosh Hashanah talking a little bit about what's the point of shofar, why do we do it, what, you know what are we trying to achieve, what's the job that shofar is trying to get done um, as a as a mitzvah, okay? There are various components of that, okay? So you know one. Um, why do we uh, uh, sound uh, a horn um, of some sort, an instrument of some sort, uh, in the first place? What is it trying to achieve? Second, why on this day in particular is that uh, the, is that the ritual that, uh, that that we that we do? Third, why does the shofar um, uh, need to be constructed in the way it's constructed? Right? Why not just a regular old trumpet? Why does it need to be made from an animal's horn? Um, why does it need to be made from a certain kind of animal's horn? Um, why does it have uh, certain uh, uh, um, uh, 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 requirements in terms of uh, um, its um, uh, um, uh, whether there are cracks in it or whether it has uh, um, metal overlay or decorations or things like that? Why, why, why do those laws exist? Um, and why the particular sounds that we're supposed to make from, uh, from the shofar, right? So the, um, the Torah just says Yom Truah, right? Truah. Um, for those of you who pay attention on uh, Rosh Hashanah, is uh, only one of the kinds of sounds that uh, we end up making from the shofar. What, which one is trua? That's tekia. No, that's tekia. Nine the nine shorts, or the staccato uh, blast, right? So you have tekia, which is the long blast. You have shvarim, which is uh, um, three kind of uh, uh, broken blasts. Uh, um, imagine that long blast broken into three parts. And then you have trua, which is a, a sort of staccato, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, right? That's, uh, that's 
uh, that's truah. So the so the the Torah itself, at least the way the rabbis understood those terms, um, the Torah only points to one of those kinds of sounds. And yet we we do um, uh, several kinds of sounds. But why those sounds? What are those sounds? trying to achieve. Does it matter what kind of sounds you blow on the shofar? It turns out it does. Um, uh, halakhically, it does. And I think that, uh, that uh, in terms of the meaning of the, uh, of the ritual, um, it does as well. So, what I want to do is um, uh, look at what the um, uh, Sefer Achinuch says about why we blow the shofar, uh, and, uh, and, and think about uh, uh, his interpretation. Um, but then, what I would like to do is um, the nice thing about um, ritual and about symbol is that uh, more than um, uh, what it means, the better question is what does it mean to you? And what's the job that shofar gets done for you? Um, so so I, I'd like to open up that conversation as well. But first let's look at what Sefer Achinuch says. So I'm on page 194, 195. Um, 194 in the uh, Hebrew, 195 in the English. Um, we'll just look at the English uh, in the interest of time. At the root of the matter, he is not aroused to things except by something stirring in the way that uh, in the way that people at the time of battle will sound horns or even shriek in order to be well aroused to war. Okay, so uh, so a, a, a physical uh, being um, is only aroused, is only awakened by uh, by physical things, um, which is basically true, right? In other words, um, uh, 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 you know, that's why we have alarm clocks, right? After all. Um, so of course it's possible to get up naturally, but uh, but uh, um, uh, uh, the rooster, right? Uh, um, uh, you know, I, your wife yelling to you, "Get up! It's time to get up!" Right? Whatever it is, right? we're only roused by uh, something stirring. And uh, the way they used to go to battle was they used to blow uh, horns and blow trumpets and, and shout. And that, by the way, that um, uh, we find that elsewhere in the Torah that uh, the uh, uh, that that uh, Moses was commanded to fashion uh, uh, silver trumpets um, uh, uh, that they would sound when they were about to go to war. Um, um, so, uh, so there, those are those are related things. Okay. Um, so too, on the day of Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the year, which is the day determined of old for all those who came into the world to be judged on it. Okay, so um, not uh, something that's mentioned specifically in the Torah, but uh, um, uh, very early on in Jewish tradition, Rosh Hashanah is, uh, is identified as the first day of the year and um, uh, a day of, uh, of judgment. Right? The, the Mishnah um, uh, talks about um, it being a day when, when all the people of the world pass before God like, uh, like, like a flock of uh, sheep uh, being counted um, by, um, by the shepherd. You know, this one will, uh, will, will stay in the flock and this one will go off for, uh, for slaughter. Right? Um, and so it's a day of judgment in, in that way. Um, <clears throat> so uh, it's a, a day f- uh, for all of those who came into the world to be judged on it. As the sages of blessed memory said in the tractate Rosh Hashanah, at the beginning of the year, all those who came into the world passed before the eternal Lord like sheep through a narrow pass. In other words, his concerned watchfulness is over the activity of each and every one individually. If his merits are the more, 
In other words, if you're good, if you're a good little boy or girl, you emerge judged as virtuous, innocent. Um, if your if his iniquities are the more right, if you if you've been a bad little boy or girl, uh, uh, to the extent that he deserves punishment, he is sentenced to death or to one of the lesser decrees according to what he has incurred. Your question? It's a spelling question. Oh, a spelling question. What 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 uh, what looks like a. Mistake? It's pertaining, it's pertaining to what you're talking about. No, because what you're saying reminded him of Unetane Tokev. Hmm. So that's where Unetane Tokev gets its images from from these Talmudic uh, passages, uh, primarily. Um... And uh, right, and so the Unatanda Tokev really encapsulates you know that theme of the day. Right, this is a day where God's going to decide. You know, who was good, who was bad, who will live and who will die. Um, right, it's a day of uh, of, of of judgment. Um, right, so for this reason, everyone needs to arouse his nature to entreat mercy for his sins from the divine Master of Mercies, for He is a gracious, compassionate God who forgives iniquity, wrongdoing, and sin and absolves those who turn back to him with all their heart. Now the sound of the shofar greatly stirs the heart of all who hear it, and all the more certainly the sound of the truah, which means the broken, quavering peal. Okay, so here's what he's saying. He's saying that the reason, one reason we blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah is to awaken us to our need to do tshuva. To awaken us to uh, pray harder, to, uh, to 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 plea before God more sincerely, to 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 turn back uh, more uh, more wholeheartedly, okay, and that's why we we the shofar is to 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 uh, to arouse us to uh, to to beg God. Um, that's. It's a wake-up call, but a wake-up call for something specific, right? Um, a wake-up call, not necessarily, uh, although we'll get there, uh, at least at this point, what the Sefer Chinuch is saying is a wake-up call, not necessarily um, about, uh, uh, about uh, how we're living or what we're doing, but a wake-up call about how we're praying, about how we're encountering God. Um, and uh, uh, um, uh, that, that this, is the, this is the last chance we have to, uh, to, to, to ask for God's compassion. Um, and specifically, he points to the sound of the truah here, um, the, the broken uh, um, appeal. And I think that um, um, one of the reasons for that, which he doesn't get into, um, the Talmud talks about uh, the shofar, the, the different sounds that we have of the shofar uh, being um, uh, um, uh, uh, symbolizing different kinds of crying. And uh, and the uh, most uh, broken, the most um, uh, um, tragic kind of crying is the sort of you know uncontrollable hiccupy kind of cry, you know that uh, you have the the, the trua is do 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 right and imagine the kind of crying that's like <laughs> like that right it's the it's the most. Uh, uh, um, 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 ecstatic form of, uh, of, of, of crying and, and of brokenness. Um, and so this is, uh, it, it sort of symbolizes the urgency of, uh, of the moment. Right? This is the last opportunity we have to, uh, to, to arouse God's compassion. Um, so the, the Truah blast sort of uh, um, shows us that, uh, that urgency, that emergency. Okay, then it goes on. 
apart from the arousal that is inherent in it, there is a reminder for a man in the matter that he should break the impulse of his heart that is evil with the cravings and sinful matters of the world as he hears the broken, quavering sounds, the, the shvarim, the three, the three blasts. Okay, so, um, so that's the second thing, and that, I think, is the other kind of awakening that uh, the shofar uh, invites, which is an awakening uh, to ourselves to live differently. Uh, to uh, to overcome uh, the uh, the broken parts of ourselves, to overcome the uh, the 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 evil parts of ourselves. Right? So it's not only a an arousal to to pray harder, but an arousal to live better. Um, right? And so uh, so and he's saying the Sefer Chinuch is saying that uh, that that's the symbolism of those uh, three broken notes, the shvarim, because it symbolizes our internal brokenness. You know, our, 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 our propensity to do wrong um, is, uh, is, is part of something inside of us that, uh, that, that is broken or incomplete or in need of repair. And, uh, and Rosh Hashanah is an opportunity to, to uh, become aware of that which is inside us that needs repair. For every person, according to what he sees with his eyes and hears with his ears, he will prepare his heart and will then understand these matters. This is why Rabbi Judah said, on Rosh Hashanah, a shofar from male animals is to be blown. In other words, uh, apparently uh, male animals, the kind of horns that male animals have, um, are, uh, are, are more curvy than, uh, um, than the horns that uh, female animals have. Um, I'm not even sure female animals have horns. Uh, what? I heard something about hollow. The male animal has a hollow horn and the female is solid. Right, so that, that, that I think is certainly a part, and you need a hollow horn in order to have a uh, produce sound, right? Um, but, and so here he talks about the, uh, uh, it needs a, uh, a bent or curved horn from rams so that a man should remember when he sees it that he is to bend his heart in subservience to heaven. So not only is the shofar a, a, an auditory experience about what you hear and what emotions that awakens within you, but it's also a visual experience that uh, um, that that we see um, the the bendiness of the shofar, the curved nature of the shofar, and we're um, and we're inspired to bend our hearts to God. I might actually offer an additional piece, which is it's a reminder of how 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 um, our own uh, transgressions um, uh, uh, make us twisted, right? And uh, um, and and twist our lives and uh, and. Uh, and, and and break our and, and break our relationships, and so seeing the shofar shows us what we really look like on Rosh Hashanah, and inspire us to straighten ourselves out. Um, that's not what he says, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll offer that too. Rabbi Levi set the definitive law according to him, and this is the practice of the Jewish people. All right, so what we have here are a few reasons, and then he goes on to talk about some of the different laws of shofar, but uh, no more about the meaning of it. What we have here are a few uh, 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 different uh, uh, points. Um, one about the curviness of the shofar, uh, and uh, uh, two about the sounds that the shofar make, and, and those uh, provide uh, to the Sefer some of the reasons. Some of the things that it did not address, there's a major piece of shofar that it didn't address. What, 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 what was left out of that discussion? I think the Akedah. 
Okay, good. So he, so there's a uh, a, a connection that uh, the rabbis draw between the story of the binding of Isaac um, and the shofar, right? And that the uh, uh, the ram is caught in the uh, thicket um, by its horns um, and and then offered in place of Isaac. And so uh, we blow a shofar as a reminder that uh, that Isaac was spared and that hopefully we too will be spared on uh, on the holiday. It's why we, one of the reasons uh, that we read uh, that story on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. So that is left out here. Um, but there's even, I think, uh, a more obvious thing that he leaves out. Look at the sounds that he uh, acknowledges um, as having symbolic significance uh, for the shofar. He talks about trua. What's that? hundred and one sounds. Okay, so he doesn't talk about that, that we, that where there's a tradition of having a hundred blasts of the shofar. Okay, so he doesn't talk about that tradition. Tekiyah. and uh, that. Talk about he doesn't talk about tekiah. Or tekiah gedola. Or tekiah gedola, for that matter. He doesn't talk about the long, straight uh, sound. Um, and uh, so he gives a, a rationale for why we have a truah. He gives a rationale for why we have a shvarim, but he doesn't give a rationale for why we have tekiah. So that's um, that's that's worth noting, and he also doesn't totally give a rationale for why it needs to be uh, a, an, an animal horn, and that might be related to him leaving out the story of the akedah. Um, but he, 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 presumably, you could have, I mean, you know, have a tuba which is curvy, right? Uh, and you blow that on Rosh Hashanah. So why not a tuba, um, or uh, or you know, uh, or something like that? Um, he doesn't uh, offer that explanation. So there are pieces of uh, of the technology of shofar um, that, uh, that that he doesn't address, and so that's why I want to uh, spend the last few minutes together um, uh, opening those questions to you. So, um, uh, uh, wh- how do you see the technology of shofar working theoretically? Hold on, theoretically, and also for you, uh, what what's the job that shofar gets done also for you? The question of why the order that it is, why not? Backwards. Of course, why not start off with... Why not Truashvarim Tkia? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. What do you think? I don't know. I can't think of an answer. I think one possible reason, using the um, the, uh, the the imagery that, that he and, and the Talmud suggest, is that the Tkia... Um, is our uh, sort of uh, ideal selves, right? Whole, unbroken. It's like a finishing self. Well, it's the beginning. It's, well, it's also the beginning, though, right? Um, yeah. This is the first sound we make, and it's also the last sound we make. Um, so, uh, and I think that that has symbolic, that can potentially have symbolic significance. I mean, so if, if, if Shvarim and Trua are, are elements of our brokenness, um, and then tekiah might be symbolic of our wholeness, right? We start off as being as being whole, right? We come into this world as as, as pure, holy potential, right? And over the course of our lives, we we uh, we we are human, and we are imperfect, and we and we make mistakes, and we um, and we go off in different directions, and we and we uh, and we harm ourselves, we harm others, we we we're, we have brokenness, and the the um, the hope of Rosh Hashanah is that we get back to tekiah. Right, we get back to wholeness, and that's why it's the last sound we have uh, as well. Right, we have tekiah gedola on Rosh Hashanah and on you know, at the end of Yom Kippur. Right, uh, um, uh, uh, you know th- this is what we want to strive for um, in the in the coming years to be more like tekiah and less like uh, sh- uh, shvarim trua. I think another thing like, might be that you're starting off with one sound and he's building a crescendo of 
to Peshvarim and to Tukita Trua. It's a, an increase in, in the crescendo there. Mm. It sounds better that way. Uh, and so what's the what's the job that that gets done? It sort of stirs your your body a little more, I think, in that, in that direction. Um, you start off with the tequila, but you end up with a tequila vidola, which is more of an enhanced tequila. Mm-hmm. So maybe out of brokenness comes an, an enhanced wholeness. Ah. That's a, that's 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 really great. That's really I never thought about that. You know that uh, um, sometimes we are stronger and better because of the struggles that we have and the failures that we that we endure. Yeah, that's great. Also, you alluded to that, but I, I want to make it more blunt. Is that the shvarim through our brokenness? But you have to start from where that brokenness comes. Otherwise, there are three separate entities, the Shvarim. But you make it clear that it comes from from uh, the Tekiya, that it's one unit. It's brokenness from that unit. Yeah. And then it goes back to the Tekiya, the other it's enhancements. Otherwise, if you start from Shvarim, it's like three different songs, but they're not connected. Right, so yeah, so I think that that's 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 really insightful. I mean, like for for uh, it, it it seems um, uh, pretty clear, right? That uh, that that the only way sh- the the symbolism of shvarim and trua work is if it first starts with tekia. Um And what about just uh, uh, personally for 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 you? Um, you know, I assume that most of you have been to to uh, synagogue on Rosh Hashanah and have heard the shofar blown. Um, so, uh, um, uh, what what's what's the uh, um, job that shofar gets done for you? What is the what's the meaning of it for you? Does it have any personally? It's a, a communal experience because you're not there with the shofar all by yourself. You're part of a congregation and. Ostensibly, everybody is in the same place that you are, and so I think there's a feeling that comes. Everybody is, you know, together as someone who has had these experiences from the beginning of their lives when they were a pure soul, mm-hmm. and uh, by the time you get to the final, it's like a uh, catharsis in a way, mm-hmm. re-experiencing what you have experienced. But in a congregation, I think it brings the congregation together. Yeah, that's why I love the final shofar blast in Nila, um, because there is that feeling of you know, look at what we've been through together, right? Um, yeah. Oh, food. That's what that means. Well, you know, right? There's that too. Right? <laughs> I also like the fact that the shofar is blown through throughout a little, because you can't do that work unless you prepare. You can't just walk in, or at least I can't, without without a a period of an extensive period of preparation. So I like hearing that shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question. When shuffle blew the horn, it's supposed to be special melody, or it's individual. How I can do this this way, another guy this way, or get a special. Melody to do this. It's, it's a, uh, a special melody, right? It's uh, um, there. There are different patterns, uh, but uh, it's a combination of 
you know, one long blast, which is called a tekiah, and then three shorter bl- uh, blasts, which are called shvarim, and then uh, uh, and then usually like nine very short blasts, which are called uh, trua. Times or just one time? You repeat it uh, um, ultimately over the course of uh, Rosh Hashanah each day a hundred times. A hundred times. times. It's not easy to do it. That's why we have a professional here. Um, But the the sound differs according to the horn. Yes. Each one is individual and each one is different. Mm -hmm. And each big. Each person that blows it, right? But the horn itself, the the vessel, is different and produces a different sound. Yeah. Maybe that's why it has to be an animal because if it was something man made, that it would be more the same. The same. So and so, can 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 I take that a bit further? So so what? You know, we we're we're deliberately told to use. An instrument that is that you know that one is never identical to the other, uh, and have a person blowing it because no person is identical to the other. Why? Because we all have to do things in our own way. Mm-hmm. You all come. You all might come to that same ending, but you have to. The progression is different for everyone. I don't know. There's a puzzle. I mean, like maybe it's a counterpoint to what you were saying, Charlotte. You know, they have the communal experience. But individuals within the community. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a particularity of the shofar that it's an animal source, so you don't create it. Otherwise, there's no limit to how fancy you can make it. It's just, mm-hmm. it is what it is. It's like a product of nature. And there's no sounding element within the shofar. Actually, it's forbidden. So it's only the air. Right. The vibration of the air inside of the shofar, which maybe wrong, your own effort. It's your own air, your own effort. There's nothing that makes a sound. So I think it's a resemblance to our own lives. It's mm-hmm. it's a inside uh, your own effort, your own air in the good way that. Yeah. I wonder if there's something about the the breath, you know, the breath is the essence of life and yeah, that, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, so yeah, it's, that's very cool. that makes yeah. the sound. Yeah, that's really that's really beautiful. I had to think about that. You know, like the the first thing that I thought of is that you know um, God's name is ultimately just breath sounds, right? And that uh, and you know there's this Hasidic tradition that uh, with every breath we take, we're made into new creations. Um, uh, and and so you know maybe there's a correlation to that and and the shofar that you know, the sound it makes is only breath to remind us that every breath is a new opportunity to be a new us and the and I love that uh, that image you can't have a it can't have an uh, um, an external sort of sound device and it can't be um, uh, you know. Um, it's it's basically just, it's 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 natural. We didn't make it. It's stripped down to in in the same way that we're supposed to wear white on you know Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. You know, plain clothes. You know, no pockets. Right. That that uh, that we come. We stand before God, um, and it doesn't really matter. We're rich. We're poor. We have a lot of stuff. We you know we have nice clothes. We don't. We, uh, we're we're all ultimately just uh, um, just the nakedness of our own humanity. Um, and uh, and and we and, and all we have to stand on are are our merits, right? Um, you know wh- whether we've lived the right way, whether we haven't lived the right way, um, and we have the capacity to change that. But uh, but but we change that by by uh, um, 
altering um, who we are as people, um, not the stuff that we have or make, right? Um, and the, the shofar being you know, very plain and natural, I think, has that sort of imagery. Other question about the shofar. Okay, so why don't I uh, end the shofar podcast before the question, <laughs> and uh, thank you all for uh, the great conversation today. Shana Tova. Shana Tova.